and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Grab your Bibles. Does anybody still bring a Bible to church? Just throw it. Yeah, come on. We got some Bibles. Go to James chapter 1, verse 2, and we're going to read a few verses today. And want to encourage you, grab a piece of paper, get a pen. You probably want to jot down some notes today. We always want to encourage note-taking on Sundays. Uh, you know, this is more than just a cool sermon series. Like, these are the words of life. How I many you know it's, it's this the greatest book ever written uh, because it's the only book that when we read it, the author shows up. It's not just good history. It's good news because when we preach it, it happens. And so uh, we ought to honor the Word of God by taking down some notes, treasuring the Word of the Lord, uh, and uh, building a history with God. So write down some notes today. If you're taking notes, you want to put the title of the message on the top of the paper. It's End Time Pains and Gains. End Time Pains and Gains. Look at your neighbor and say, bro, do you even lift? Come on, tell them. (laughs) James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. If you don't have a Bible, that's all right. Uh, we've got magical Bibles in the sky for your viewing pleasure. Here we go. Message translation is what I'm going to read out of. Consider it a what? Those next couple words, audience participation. Consider it a, a gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Now I want to punch James in the ear. Consider it a gift. You know that under pressure, everybody say pressure, You know that under pressure, your faith life, something happens to your faith life. It's forced into the open and shows its true colors. Ooh, right? So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Trust God's timing. Don't try to get out of it prematurely. Let it, let it, let it. What is it? Pressure. Let pressure do its work so you become mature, well-developed, not deficient in any way. Strong words from James. Can we pray one more time and just uh, ask the Holy Spirit to come and speak? God, we, we depend upon you. We, you know, just, I just cast down all preconceived ideas and agendas that I would try to mock up in my heart, and we just surrender with open hands, these moments to you, like direct every word, God. Holy Spirit, that you would awaken the hearts of your people, that you would produce fruit that abides and remains. God, I pray for more than just another Sunday today, but by the power of your Spirit, let us leave transformed and changed. Let us leave built up and encouraged, anoint my words and my prayers, God. And in Jesus' name, let yokes be destroyed. I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Well, don't know about you guys. Uh, Anybody have uh, a relationship with working out like I do where, you know, you like the end result, but not so much the process? Can I get a witness in church? Come on, tell the truth. Shame the devil. Of course, you know, for me, I don't take responsibility for any of that. If I'm going to put blame on something... I'm going to blame the Book It program. Come on, anybody, where's the old school people that remember the Book It program? Absolutely. For all the youngsters in the house, uh, if you're not familiar, when I was in elementary school, uh, Pizza Hut decided, you know, the best way to combat the illiteracy problem 
is to offer children a free personal pan pizza if they read four books or if they tell their teacher they read four books. It was great, right? Come on. Somebody needs to bring that back. Do they still do that? We need to bring it back to church. Read four books of the Bible. I'll buy you a personal pan pizza. On Mark. Honorarium, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was great. You know, the book hit program. It was great when you're in elementary school. You get pizza for doing your homework. But 25 years later, right, nobody's paying you in pizza to read, and you're hooked on pizza. Not so great for the dad bod. You know, make matters worse, you walk into uh, Bath and Body Works now, and they have a mashed potato scented candle. <laughs> you ever seen <laughs> How messed up do you have to be if you want the smell of buttery mashed potatoes at all times in your bedroom. <laughs> Guilty. They do this buy one, get one free. You can get mashed potatoes and gravy. You burn them together. Oh, you don't know heaven. You know, if the process, you know, if it wasn't so painful, if it could just get to the end result without having to go through the inconvenience and the discomfort, if I could just get those CrossFit thighs and not have to give up my McDonald's fries, can I, can I get a witness? Unfortunately, as you have probably found out like me, there's no shortcuts. There's no opt-outs. There's no real get-rich-quick get rich programs there. There's only one road, really, that leads to the glorious end of the love handles and the dad bod and it's the road called inconvenience and discomfort. And everybody said, boo! You know, wrapping that up, awkward transition, you know, we look at these verses in James, right? And we're like, you know, we really love the end result that we find, you know, and we open up these verses. Spiritually mature? Yeah, just show me the dotted line. You know, well-developed, not deficient in any way. What do you need? My social security number? Just show me where to sign. Here it is. Sign me up. But when it comes to the journey that it takes to get there, not so excited about that part. As we find James teaching us an important lesson, especially in the hour that we're living in, in the kingdom, pressure and blessing are often served on the same plate. That our pain, our trouble, the pressure coming upon us, it's actually intended to become a radical process as we embrace and lean into it, that makes us more like Jesus. You might want to write this down. You know, God will often use the pressure that feels like it's overwhelming us. He'll take that pressure and he'll put it to work for us. He'll put it to work for us. And when we're trying to get out of the pressure, I just want to do anything but this. Just get me out of here. God, can you make it any lighter? When we try to get out of the pressure as quickly as possible. God is saying something else. He's saying, I want you to get as much out of the pressure as possible. There's a difference. Let it do its work. Let it do its work. Don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature, well-developed, not deficient in any way. If there was ever an hour in history where the planet is living out these verses in real time, it's right now. It's so easy, right? Um, you've done it. I've done it. We've all done it. We look at the last three years of human history, and we go, that it's been a monumental setback in every sense of the way. 
from racial strife. We got governmental disruption, global pandemic, right? Uh, civil strife, economic uncertainty, wicked agendas, obvious wicked agendas being pushed at us from all sides. But when men see a setback, God sees differently. The good news is that when men see a setback, God sees a setup. There isn't a hand dealt to us that God can't win with. There's no way around it, though, right, church? You, you, you can stick your head in the sand all you want. There's no way around it. We're at a crossroads in human history where God's purposes and God's timing, they're intersecting in a glorious Kairos moment. Uh, this decade, right, the 2020s, we've seen it. It, it. It's the most, and this is a big statement, but I stand on what I say, the most dramatic transitional decade in human history. That statement alone ought to get you to wake up a little bit, right? We can all see that life on the planet is changing. Uh, it's never going back to the way it was before the year 2020. If you've been holding on to hope, just let it go, man. Let it go. It's not going back to the way it was. And I am like you. I don't like that. I'm not clapping my hands, you know, glad about the pressure. But I don't, I don't like the trouble, but I do understand something about it. I understand that the pressure, I'm aware that it's producing something glorious and significant in us. Trouble changes the conversation, right? Let's just look at, you know, the shift we, we've experienced just here at the church. If you've been around for the last three years and have some sort of spiritual discernment at all, you can recognize, right, the shift has taken place, okay? The, the, our conversations are different. The messages we preach are different. Uh, the way we talk to God is different. Our passion is different for Jesus. Our faith level hopefully is increasing, right? Uh, we're singing our songs differently. Our sermons, we're preaching differently. Because increased pressure, it forces things to come to the surface that wouldn't come to the surface if it was just business as usual, right? You know that under pressure, your faith life, it's forced into the open. You don't have a choice. It's forced into the open, right? And it's those new conversations. It's those new ideas. It's those new creative expressions that are born and birthed in the hot place of pressure that actually open our hearts up to a greater place of tenderness towards the Lord as we lean in to Jesus, as we lean in to the pressure, as we face the wind, let it do its work. Uh, this is this idea of pressure blessing, pressure blessing, pressure blessing. It's the prevailing storyline of the end of the age, right? Or what can we expect, beloved, in the generation when the Lord returns? How many knows? Jesus is coming back a second time and he's staying for good, right? So what, what's going to take place leading up to that? The generation the Lord returns, I'll give you a, a little clue. Increased pressure and increased blessing. Served up, piping hot, on the same plate. Yummy. Right? Pains and gains. So I just want to dive into these two ideas a little bit this morning. Uh, and just kind of in the context of where we're living, the hour we're in, and what does the Bible have to say about this? Does the Bible have anything to say about this? 
And, uh, you know, again, relatively new territory for me, but I feel drawn into this conversation. I feel drawn. And if I could give you anything today, it would be that you would be stirred up to be drawn into your own conversation with the Lord about this. Again, our sermons are changing. They have to. We live in an unusual hour and unusual days. It can't be business as usual. A day where we show up to Sunday morning and check our kids in, and then we go home and kind of go about our business, and then we do it again next week, and that's about the extent of our walk with Jesus. Those days are over. You're going to get swept away in the flood of trouble and pressure if that's all your walk with God amounts to in the end. I don't want to be harsh or blunt, but Mark will clean up my mess later. (laughs) I'm only here for a few minutes. Um, Everybody, you know, wants God to do a new thing. Yeah, yeah, do a new thing, God. That sounds like a great thing to say. Do a new thing, God, as long as it looks like the way you've always done it before. So, you know, I want to understand And I want to hopefully the Spirit of God to stir up an urgency in you to understand a little bit more than nothing, what is the biblical narrative surrounding the the hour we're living in? What is it? Like, I want to understand what's coming. I don't want to be caught off guard. I don't want to be caught with my my head in the sand. What's coming? Uh, And how am I supposed to respond to that as a follower of Jesus when I see it unfolding before me in real time? This is important right, to get a heavenly grid to process the pressure through. Because if you don't have a heavenly grid and you're just looking at the cultural narrative and the conversation in uh, in the culture to kind of guide you at that grid, it will leave you full of anxiety and fear. It's only through the heavenly narrative and the biblical perspective of what's going on that you will find yourself at rest with a deep sense of well-being even though everything else is going crazy around us. It's important. And now, again, I'm not saying everybody has to become experts in the book of Revelation or anything like that because there's some stuff in there that is trippy and I have no idea what it means. But there is an urgency. Go ahead. Open up the last book of the Bible for yourself and get into a conversation with Jesus about it. Holy Spirit, I have no idea what this means. Could you help me to understand a little bit more than I do now? Like, we don't even want to open that book up. Because when we read it, it what, is, what does it do? Kind of stirs up a little bit of, little bit of anxiety and discomfort and fear in, in me. And so I'm just going to close that book and open up to Song of Solomon. <laughs> you know? The Bible's really surgical, you know, in its command to you and me. Like, we're not supposed to think, act, or talk in the same way that everybody else does. Especially in times of trouble and crisis, as Jesus followers, we're called to stand up and have a different conversation, right? And we're so busy having the same conversation that the culture is having, very few people have anything to say that's helping. That's who we're called to be in the hour of trouble. To say something that actually helps in light of eternity. Uh, And so when everybody's fixated, the world is fixated on the problematic present circumstances and trouble of the day when the earth is overcome, 
by a prevailing conversation and narrative driven by the commentators of the day and the fear of man. God is calling us right now in this hour to stand up in the midst of what's happening, to not get swallowed up in the swirl of secular narrative, and to start reaching for the word of the Lord like we never have before. Reach for it. You got to unplug your heart from the culture's narrative and get into a different conversation. There is a higher conversation going on right now, and God is calling us up into it. All right, so number one, we're going to check out these two kind of characteristics of the last days. Uh, Number one, end time pains or pressure. Matthew 24, turn in your Bibles. Matthew 24, verse 6 through 14. And whether you've read these verses or not, you're familiar with them because we're living them out in some way right now, in a measure. Matthew 24, verse 6 through 14. And as we read these, you'll start to see for yourself. Jesus' disciples, little context, they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, what, what's the signs of the end of the age and of your return? Like, what can we expect in the generation when you're going to return? And the next few verses, Jesus gives us, gives his disciples and gives us the answer What can we expect in the generation when the Lord returns? Here we go. You will hear of wars and revolutions on every side with more rumors of wars to come. Okay? Underline these next few words in your Bible. Don't panic or give in to fear. Let that soak in. For the breaking apart of the world systems, it's destined to happen. It's on God's timeline. But it won't yet be the end. It will still be unfolding. Verse 7, nations will go to war against nations and kingdom against kingdom. And there'll be terrible earthquakes, horrible epidemics, and famines in place after place. This is how, though, what's those next two words? Birth pains of the new age will begin. These things will signify the beginning of something. You can expect to be persecuted, even killed for you, for you will be hated by all nations because of your love for me, Jesus. Then many will stop following me and fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. And many lying prophets, okay, not the guy on the street corner, proclaiming some message, but the social commentary of the hour, the lying false prophets, deceiving multitudes, leading many astray away from the path of truth. It's a war against the truth, right? There will be such an increase, an acceleration of sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God will grow cold. Okay, strong words. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And here's the real good news. Yet, through it all, through all of it, the good news of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed over all the earth, providing every nation with something. A great sermon series. Wonderful church services and great programs. (laughs) Entertaining you know, videos. No, 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 no. There's going to be a day when those things won't matter. And in every nation, 
we will see a demonstration of the reality of God. And after that, the end of the age will arise. So, Matthew 24, right? A little bit intense, kind of heavy. It's supposed to be. Uh, Which, side note, if you read the Bible and it doesn't make you uncomfortable at all, your name is probably Jesus. So, just embrace the discomfort. Matthew 24. Jesus' famous teaching on the end times. Jesus' disciples come to him. They ask him an incredible question. What will be the signs of your coming and the end of the age? You want to know what conversation you should be having with Jesus right now? That's probably a good place to start, among other things. But this is a good question to ask. And then for the remaining verses, Matthew 24, Jesus begins to identify 12 signs or trends. Go home, read it for yourself. See if you can identify all 12. 12 negative trends or signs that will indicate, characterize the generation of the Lord returns. Now, there's some positive signs and trends also, but I want to look at the the pressure side of this. So we're not going to look at all 12 today. Don't worry about that. Not my goal. I just want to get you into the conversation, okay? I just want to throw it out, stir, stir this up, and if I can leave you, if you can go home today curious and in the conversation, then we win, okay? Um. I just want you to start paying more attention to Jesus' timeline, his narrative. So we find Jesus. He responds to his disciples about their question concerning the last days. And his first thing he says to them is this. Make sure of something. Make sure you don't give in to panic. Make sure in the context of the events happening in the end of the age, make sure you don't bow down to fear. Make sure. Okay, And the reason why Jesus said this first is because there will be more things taking place at the end of the age that have the potential to weigh us down with panic and make us bow down to fear, to overwhelm us, to get us caught up in the swirl to where it disrupts our connection with God. It's these kind of Matthew 24 moments that we're seeing since 2020 and even before, but accelerated since then. It's these kind of Matthew 24 moments. Guess what they are for us, for you and me, the body of Christ. They're pop quiz. Pop quiz! Don't give in to panic or bow down to fear. What grade do you get? Good. Right? Yeah, I would venture to say, if we're going to be honest, lots of us are over profoundly troubled right? Because most of us, we don't have a grid to process this through, right? We simply just, you know, by default, because we don't have a grid, we simply just process everything through, you know, what the world is saying, the world's conversation, the culture's narrative, right? And so it's like, Taiwan, bad. I mean, good. China, bad. Ukraine, good. Russia, bad. Joe Biden, this. Joe Biden, that, right? Supply chain disruptions, gas prices is the real big one right now, right? And on and on and on. We're just caught up in the culture's narrative. We're saying what everybody else is saying. You know, and so the recent events in the Ukraine and and Russia, you know, they're horrible. Absolutely makes my stomach literally feel sick whenever I'm, you know, we, we watch and we see families displaced and refugees and children hurting and innocent lives destroyed. 
Uh, and so this isn't to take away from all that, but beloved, it is a challenge to us to get into a different conversation about it, to get into a heavenly perspective uh, in the midst of the pressure, right? When Jesus says, this is not time for you to become fearful and panicked, what he's really saying is this, guess what? You can trust my leadership. You can trust that I am in control for dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations, Psalms 22, right? The good news is that there is a heavenly grid. There is a way for you and I to process the pressure in the hour of trouble where it makes us better and not bitter. And some of us are so locked into the social commentary, we've walked away from, I mean, we're just, we're just bitter. It's just pointing fingers and mad at them and that side's wrong and government this and that. It's the wrong conversation. You're in the wrong narrative. You're in the wrong narrative, but there is a grid, beloved, that we can process trouble through that will leave us full of peace in the midst of pressure. Jesus, we trust your leadership. So little by little, I'm going to give myself to grow into this end time uh, conversation with, the, the fa- with my family of affection, the body of Christ. We're going to get into this conversation in our small groups. We're going to get into this conversation around the dinner table with our kids. And, you know, we're not going to scare them and put on, you know, left behind, but we want, we want to, you know, we want to, we want to get into the conversation. We want to get into the conversation, the right conversation. Turn off the news during dinner and have a conversation about God's narrative concerning the hour we live in and see if it doesn't leave you better off than the alternative. All right? We see what you're doing, God. We understand pieces of it. And so we're going to set our hearts towards it now more than ever because we understand there's urgency in this hour. There's significance in this day. We're going to get intentional right now about our spiritual life. We're going to get intentional to lean in to godly relationships, the body of Christ. We're going to do more than be attendees. We're going to follow Jesus. You do realize when you said yes to Jesus, you said, I will follow you. And Jesus is like over there going, you said you were going to follow me. I thought you said you were going to follow me. <laughs> right? We're going to give ourselves. We have to. For, to fasting and prayer, it's in the Bible. It's really not an option. But we made it an option. But it's not an option. We're going to get into this book now more than ever, these words of life. We're going to pray that God would settle them down deep in our souls in an hour of trouble. And I'm not talking about hours and hours a day. Like, oh, I got a job, man. You know, I got six kids. I, I don't have hours a day to do. That's not what we're talking about. It's, it's this, I'm going to commit to little by little. I'm going to be intentional to grow in it a little bit more than I already am. This is not the hour for you to be distracted with what's going on at work, overcome and overwhelmed and disconnected. It's, it's just not the day to play the church attendee game, to be preoccupied, mostly uninterested, a little spiritually bored and dull. You know, not the hour to be lukewarm, half-hearted. It's not the hour. 
we really want to give ourselves to the things of God in a new way right now, okay? Not a doom and gloom message, okay? I hope you're not getting that. That's not God's heart. It's not my heart. It's not who I am. It's actually, this message, is, it's actually the goodness of a loving God to give us a heads up in advance so that we can right now start to make adjustments in our lives little by little. Because how many knows you can't change deep heart issues overnight. They take time to walk out. And so he's giving us a heads up to use the analogy, uh, which is helpful to me. I think I shared it last time I was here. Uh, it's like right now the body of Christ, our believers, uh, we're swimming against like a one mile an hour current, right? A little out of breath, a little bit of resistance. You know, it's coming at us from the culture and the media and, you know, in the spirit, some spiritual warfare, prayer warriors, you know, you kind of what, what I'm talking about. It's, it's kind of a one mile an hour grind right now. And, you know, it's resistance against the message of Jesus, resistance against biblical absolutes, biblical standards. We, we feel it, right? It's like we're trying to swim against a, a current. It's about one mile an hour right now. It takes some effort to swim against a one-mile-an-hour current. And it takes, and it's more difficult to stay the course for the long haul. You following me? Okay, but, but the issue is that it's not going to stay one mile an hour. It's going to increase to two miles an hour one day. In other words, we're never going back to zero. Okay, it'll be two miles an hour one day. And then it's going to go to three. And then it's going to be five miles an hour one day. I read on, on, online somewhere, I don't know if it's true, but an Olympic swimmer can swim against a five-mile-an-hour current. Right? And here's the deal. If we don't take the one-mile-an-hour season seriously, we will not thrive when the current increases if we're not consistent and intentional right now to go deeper in the things of God. Make sure you don't give in to panic and bow down to fear, right? Jesus, we trust your leadership. And I can even feel the room right now. There's a little bit of anxiety in this. That's what we want. We, it's got to come to the surface first. We really don't want to take this one mile an hour season for granted. You don't. You don't want to take it for granted and treat it casually. We got to be intentional right now to turn off some stuff to reorder our time, to do something different with our money, to not be stuck in anger and bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness and comparing ourselves with one another and, you know, addicted to this or that and, you know, media and a, whatever the 20 things you could fill in the blank with. It's not the time. We want to get serious right now in a real way about the things of God because it's the only place in the midst of trouble where there's going to be peace. It's time to get serious. It's time to get serious. So Jesus continues, verse 7, and I just want to walk you just through a few of these things. Nation will rise against nation, okay? So that word nation is the word ethnos, okay, which is where we get our word ethnic. Ethnic conflict, ethnic group against ethnic group, racial conflict, racial strife, racial tension. It will increase more and more the closer we get to the coming of the Lord. In other words, what you're seeing today is nothing compared, it's mild compared to what's going to be in the coming days. Mark Jesus' words, right? 
And the, yeah, that increase, as we see those things increase, guess what volume gets turned up? The volume on the social commentary of the day, it turns up to 12, right? And if you think you're sucked into the swirl now, wait until that volume gets turned up a couple more decimals, and it will. It absolutely will. The commentary of the earth will be screaming at us. The chatter will be so much. Uh, and we're seeing it to some degree now, but it will increase, okay? Again, like we don't, so what, what do we do? Do we look, I'm looking at that going, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What's my family going to do? What are my kids going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Okay? We don't fall into that, but we see these signs. We process them through the biblical grid, right? And our response has to be, as we see pressure increasing, our hearts increase along with the pressure, and we say, Jesus, your plan is perfect. I trust your leadership. I won't give in to panic or fear. I trust that you're in control. You know what you're doing. He knows what he's doing. Psalms 29, it says, Jesus is enthroned on the flood. Talking about the flood of Noah, God is enthroned over the turmoil and the trouble. He's seated on the flood. He knows what he's doing. We're going to be filled with expectation. I refuse to be filled with fear in this hour, but I'm going to be filled with expectation and hope that Jesus is working all these things together because he's trying to transition the entire planet to the age to come. Everything you see, every event taking place in the earth, all the, the, what the conversation that the world is having, all these little things God is using and bringing them together into the culmination as he transitions the planet to the age to come. Process it through that grid. And he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. And death will be no more. The former things will pass away. Jesus continues. Nations will go to war against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. And there will be terrible earthquakes, horrible epidemics, and famines in place after place. This is how. This is how the birth pains of the new age will begin. It's the beginning. Okay? Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Trouble, it does something. It changes the conversation. Changes the way we talk to each other. Changes the way we talk to God. It changes the conversation, right? Right now on the earth, I mean, you can see it. Trouble increases. What happened? An unprecedented conversation, a global conversation is a third world war coming. Not since I've been born have I ever even heard that phrase, right? Let alone on a global scale. Is it possible that this is coming? It's the conversation in the globe. Is it possible? I got opinions about it. Uh, and the war is important. But I, and I don't want you to walk away thinking like, oh, that's not important because it's important to God. But I do want you to get that there is a bigger picture behind it all, and that's what the believers are supposed to anchor themselves in. And it's not one nation beating another nation. Russia bad, Ukraine good. It's not picking governments against each other. What we're supposed to anchor ourselves in in the midst of trouble is we're called to contend as the beloved, as the body of Christ for God's kingdom to come, for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Have you even considered that? <laughs> Are you just Russia bad, Ukraine good? Because right, I guarantee you there's evil men with evil agendas in Russia's government, and there's evil men with evil agendas in Ukraine government, and there's evil men with evil agendas in Brazilian government, evil men with evil intentions in America's government. You're going to run yourself ragged trying to figure out who's evil. They all are. It's everywhere. Right? That's not our primary concern. Our primary concern, our predominant conversation as the body of Christ, is to lock in in times of trouble to contend, God, let your will be done through it all. Right? There will be terrible earthquakes, horrible epidemics, famines in place after place. I'm the first one to admit, COVID sucked. It was awful. We all probably know somebody who, uh, you know, was affected by it in a personal way, so it is personal to us all. It's the most intense and the most dramatic that we've ever seen as far as its impact and implications on a global scale, okay? But it won't be the last, and it won't be the worst when we look back some years from now, okay? This is how the birth pains of the new age will begin. This is how the birth pains of the new age will begin, okay? So I'm not an expert in this at all, uh, but all the women who have had children in here can completely relate to the, that word, those words, birth pains. Can I, you know, you know what I'm talking about? You know them very well, right? You can relate to the language. And I'm sure all the women who have had children can agree on the way that birth pains work. Uh-huh, right? The closer you get to the actual birth, to the actual main event, the closer you get, the pressure gets more intense and the reprieves in between the pressure get shorter. And Jesus said, these are birth pains. It's the beginning of the end of the age. So what can we expect as we get closer to the main event? Pressure to increase and the reprieves in between the pressure to get shorter. Hello, 2020, 2021, 2022, and wherever we go after this, okay? So we're watching these things, right? Three years, we've been watching them, glued to it, probably in an unhealthy way, but glued into it. Wars, pandemics, you know, economic privation, you know, massive inflation, pushing towards globalization, like, all of it, right? And then, and then on the other side, you got media, you know, the false prophets of the day exploiting it all, fear-mongering, trying to push their agendas, uh, and on and on, right? We, we, you'd have to be blind to not see it. So we can get panicked and fearful in the midst of all of it, right? Or we can lift our eyes to heaven. We can lift our eyes to heaven and realize that this hour that we're living in is the most significant hour in human history. It really is. God did not put you in this hour and day on accident. You were born for this. You were born for it. Your kids, baby glory, born for this hour. Mom and dad, you don't need to be afraid of the tribulation. You don't need to be afraid. Your kids were born for this. And there is coming an awakening and an outpouring of the Spirit as trouble increases that is going to touch our kids, and they are going to thrive 
in the pressure under the anointing and the power of Jesus. God's using all the birth pains. He's using all of it to birth a new world order called the millennial kingdom with the resurrected king seated on the throne in Jerusalem and the whole earth will be like the Garden of Eden. It's our hope. That's the hope that w- that's meant to stay, sustain and fuel our journey here on the earth. It's the good news. Maybe the reason we're overcome and overwhelmed and anxious about all things is that we don't really understand what's right around the corner. He who endures will be saved. It's good news. Jesus has more to say. You guys okay? I know this is intense, but I'm only here for a few minutes. Okay, verse 9. They'll deliver you up. It gets better. They'll deliver you up to tribulation, and they will put you to death, and you'll be hated by all nations for my namesake. Okay? There will come a time in history before Jesus' second coming where it won't just be ridicule against God's people, it will be rage. It'll be rage, okay? It won't just be hostility. It'll be hatred. It won't just be mocking. It will be full-blown madness. Uh, Right now, and you can see it, the nations are ridiculing us. They're ridiculing us. They ridicule that, you know, our archaic ways and our antiquated, you know, laws and our, you know, our outdated book. And they're ridiculing, mocking, woke culture, mocking the, the absolute, the biblical standard, right? But there will be a day when it will go from ridicule on social media and canceled by cancel culture Um, it'll go from that to you will be hated by all nations for my namesake and they'll put you to death. Not just in communist China, but in the earth. In the earth. They'll label us as terrorists. (laughs) Right? And I'm not saying like, you know, whoa, this is going to happen to everybody. I don't don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen to everybody, but I do believe that there'll be enough people that will experience this where, um, for the name of Jesus, where all believers, it will capture the attention of all believers, and we will have to reckon if we're in at this level or not. Not just in the remote parts of Uganda, and we read about it in the Voice of the Martyr magazine that's been sitting under my coffee table since 1995. It will we'll have to reckon with it. Is is Jesus really who he says he is? Am, is are my choices in this age really going to determine where I spend eternity? Is it is this just a cool sermon series that I do once a week or, you know, or is Jesus God? This may not touch me in a personal way, but it will happen enough where we will all have to reckon with it in a personal way. So God's given us time to think these things through. What's going on in Russia and Ukraine? It's God sounding the alarm, and he's saying to his bride, wake up, come out of dullness, come out of compromise, open your eyes, awake, O sleeper. What's going on with the pandemic? It's the alarm clock of God sounding to the bride, wake up, come alive. Get out of bed. Stop hitting the snooze button. He's given us time. 
so that little by little, we can align ourselves with this. So that when the pressure increases, it doesn't sweep us away, but we have been, we have been, we have been increasing our capacity along with the pressure for the, for the things of God. Is Jesus worth this? Like, do we really believe that that plan, Matthew 24, do we really believe that that's a good plan? Do you really believe that God's plan is a good plan, even though there's pressure in it? Is Jesus really coming back to the earth? Right? Is the resurrection real? Are we really going to live for billions of years under Jesus' perfect glory in, in under his leadership? Is he really coming back to the planet? Is this just a nice addendum to the end of my week? Or is Jesus God? It's intense, right? And I, I agree. And I feel, feel myself when we start talking about these things and I try to drift over into, I don't know what we're going to do. What are my kids going to do? Is there going to be enough food? Guess what? The Antichrist doesn't have the final say on the food supply. He just doesn't. Right? And so, you know, I feel myself wanting to drift. But in this one mile an hour season, we have to condition ourselves. I'm not going to drift. I'm going to fix my eyes on heaven. I'm going to get into the biblical perspective, the heavenly perspective. Jesus, I trust your storyline. I trust your leadership. Holy Spirit, help me stay in sync with what you're saying. Holy Spirit, help me stay in sync with what you're doing. Help me to stop playing games. Bring me out of my compromise. Give me a hunger for your word. Give me a desire for community. Are you even having that conversation right now? If you're not, please get into the right narrative. It's the only place you're going to find peace in troubled times end time pains and end time gains thank you so much for joining us special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry it's because of you that this ministry is possible you can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends we love you and have a blessed week